As the great Ferris Bueller says, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Unless it's a pandemic. Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. This week, we are talking about the summer of news and how E3 has been replaced by a whole bunch of gaming events. Do you miss E3? I kind of miss E3. All right, let's do it. I'm Jason Schreier. I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. And we are back once Here again. We are. We are. the Triple Click <laughs> podcast. Click, click, click. Click, click, click. Uh, before we get started. <laughs> That's what we say every time. We it say is. click, click, click. That's <laughs> because it's the name of the show. <laughs> yep. Before we get started, a couple, of, uh, a couple of important things. First of all, thank you to everybody out there who has become a MaxFun member and is supporting the show. You are helping yes. us all keep things going. You are helping mm-hmm. uh, my baby get diapers. You are helping helping us with all sorts of things. Um, and uh, uh, if you missed it, we had a Beans cast this week about time loop movies, which was super fun. So go check that out it if was. you are a member. If you are not a member, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash join and join us. Join the Triple Click Society. Become a member today. You should join our society. It's a, it's yeah, a, it's pretty it's, cool. It's a utopia. It is wonderful. Yes. I believe it is now time for us to announce... September's Beans cast, which uh, which I'm excited yes. about. Kirk, do us the honors. Tell us what we're playing <laughs> slash checking out slash talking about this week this month slash spilling the beans on. We're yes. gonna spill the beans on a game from the Wayback Machine, not that far back, but <clears throat> kind of a ways back. We are going back to 2007 to talk about Call of Duty Four. <laughs> Modern Warfare. Amazing. This is not to be confused with all of the other games that like have that name or have Modern Warfare in the name. This is the first one, the Infinity mm-hmm. Ward game that kicked this whole thing the off. The progenitor of Modern Warfare yes. life. <laughs> Very much the progenitor of this uh, current hellscape that we live in. Yes. In ter- at least in terms of war, war games. <laughs> yeah, weirdly, we're going to map it all back to this game. It it's going to be a wild beans cast. It's just going to be bits of twine. Well, so what's <laughs> funny is I've never actually played a Call of Duty game. This will be my first Call of Duty game ever. Yeah. Yes, that is one reason that we're doing it. And you're starting in the right place. We're, yeah. we're just going to start you yeah. right where you need to start. I would say that's with correct. With all the context you need. Yeah. I'm. I, it sounds like I'm joking, but I actually no, no, do no, feel yeah. like you're starting in the right place and possibly stopping in the right place where maybe this will <laughs> right. inspire you to play a bunch of right. other Call of Duty games. Yes. Who knows? Yeah, I think it'll be fun and there's plenty to say about that game and I'm looking forward oh, to yeah. replaying it and talking yeah. about it with both of you. So that'll be up at some point near the end of the month in September for members. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. um, for everybody, not just members, we will be doing a triple click stream next week. We will be playing the Avengers. Um, as of right now, we are scheduled for next Thursday night, but keep an eye yes. out on our Twitter and listen to next week's episode for like final date and time, just in case we have to move things around. But I believe that's what mm-hmm. we're going to do. And subscribe to our Twitch channel. Oh yeah. That's where What's it's it? What is be? it? Twitch.tv slash triple click pod. Yes, that is it. And that, that tentative date is the 10th of September, Thursday, the 10th of September, probably at 7 PM Eastern, but we will have final date and time for you next week. Um, okay. Let's get to it. Shall we? Let's get to the show. So. This week, we are going to be talking about news. Like we have always (laughs) said, we will do news when the fancy strikes us, when we feel like doing news. And this week, we feel like doing news. It has been quite a summer. It has been a summer full of gaming news, full of not-so-gaming news, gaming not-so-news. And um, (laughs) it's been interesting. It is certainly... This summer has basically been been characterized by the replacement of E3, the traditional June show, with um, Mm. a series of other random events that just seem to pop up out of nowhere and uh, are 
varying levels of quality and we'll get into all of that in a second but um but in general i think we're we're just we're going to talk about the summer in news the summer in gaming news what have we missed over the past mm-hmm. couple of months what have we not discussed on the show um and i guess that is the biggest question here is like the summer is really marked by the loss of E3. Normally, for the past however many years, 20 years or something like that, it's been, um, there's been a single week in either June or July where all of the game publishers get together and say, hey, we're going to announce all of our big games now, we're going to put them on a show floor in Los Angeles, and we're going to talk about them, and everybody's going to crunch to get their demos out in time and hit their 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 milestones and blah, blah, blah. It's going to be the mecca of gaming right here. Now, because E3 was canceled this year, there was nothing like that. And uh, in a, not only was there no actual trade show, but E3 kind of really dropped the ball on the opportunity to like put all the press conferences together regardless and do like an online E3. And they didn't have mm. nothing of the sort. Um, so instead, we got just sporadic events. There was a Ubisoft event in uh, July or August, I believe. There was a Microsoft event in July. There was a, a Sony event in June. There was a Warner Brothers event at the end of August. Just all sorts of random stuff nintendo was like all over the place all these companies were doing random things so Mm -hmm. first of all before we even start getting into all of this news i am curious to hear do you guys miss e3 Um, because i do (laughs) yeah i i do i mean i i it's really hard for me to separate these things out i mean we're talking about how the summer was defined by missing e3 but the summer was defined by missing a lot of things because the summer was defined missing live events by a huge (laughs) pandemic that made us cancel everything so like i miss e3 because i miss life feeling somewhat (laughs) normal and so it yeah yeah, like i think on that level i do and i know that's not the entire that's not your question but it's hard for me to separate that feeling from your question (laughs) so Mm -hmm. i get that um i guess that's that's part of my feeling i don't know maddie do you miss e3 i miss e3 i i talked about how much i missed it when we were going over that PlayStation stream Mm -hmm. that we all enjoyed, in Mm -hmm. part because I was like, this feels to me like E3 and covering that stream, since it was at least in June and it was kind of close to when E3 would have been, it felt like the closest example of how E3 feels to me. And to me, that's comforting because I've been working as a games journalist for long enough that it's normal to me to have a big stream that we need to cover. And I expected a lot more companies to pull that together and to recreate that hype cycle and capitalize on those feelings that people have. Like, I think a lot of people wanted to experience that feeling of watching a live event, even if it didn't have an actual real life stage where bass music was pumping and everybody had packed their best blazers (laughs) and t-shirts and so on and so forth. Those are all the E3 hallmarks. Even if it was in everybody's kitchens, it, I think people still really wanted those trailers and those reveals, but I think what we've seen and what I do miss as a result, although it's not the fault of any of these companies, is that they weren't able to successfully put together online-only shows and show off the reveals that they had planned. Because we've also seen a bunch of game delays and just various other struggles because of COVID-19, where perhaps these companies would have had their shit together in time for E3 if all else had been regular this year but it Mm -hmm. wasn't and so instead we got these cobbled together press conferences of varying levels of quality again i don't blame anyone involved for this but in that sense i yeah i miss e3 but i'm also like 
damn, this has been weird as hell. <laughs> like, this is a weird-ass summer, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that you mention um, the work part of it and working as yeah. a journalist. Just when E3 comes around, there's a lot of stuff to do. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. There's a lot of interest. It's it's fun in a just professional trailers. way. You just yeah, got to watch trailers. Lot to, right, <laughs> interview developers and whatever. Um, just get excited about video games for a little while. And that wasn't there this year. For me, as now not working full-time, it was also missing something that was different. Like, it wasn't that I missed doing the job. I mean, it's fun to do the roundups and stuff, but it was more, it was hard for me to keep track of everything. You kind of mentioned there's like this constant stream of information and it's, it is this mix of good news and bad news. Like during E3, people typically don't announce game delays. Sometimes I remember that, was it during E3, they announced like big layoffs at some company. Like there are things like that that happen where they're like. It's Amazon last year. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll use it as a smokescreen. But generally speaking, the things like that just happen at other times, but it's Mm. been all interlaced. So that's also hard to keep track of. It's like, wait, what is delayed again? Like, when is Cyberpunk coming out again? Is mm-hmm. it, yeah. you know, and I, I'm always kind of asking myself these questions and then realizing there are whole games that have been announced and people will be like, hey, did you hear about this game? And I'll realize that I haven't yet just because it's mm-hmm. hard to keep track of it all because it wasn't all happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, something else that is kind of markedly different about this year is that by this time, last, so the last time we had a new console launch is 2013. And by yeah. this time in 2013, we had not only only did we have all the information on the new consoles like launch date and and price and um launch lineup of games mm-hmm. um none of which we have now and it's already september two months away <laughs> yeah, but true. also we had an idea of like what was coming in the future so you could say okay i am going to invest in a ps4 because i know final fantasy 15 and kingdom hearts 3 are both coming down the road and i know all this other exciting stuff destiny and whatever else is like all this uh, infamous and and whatever else is on the roadmap whereas is now we really other than Microsoft and Sony who have both announced kind of a smattering of their first party stuff we really have no idea what is coming from third parties other than like this fall stuff and I think that is really lacking like think about the the, the big companies right the big publishers that would normally have an E3 press conference or at least a big E3 presence right EA uh, we know they have Dragon Age 4 sometime way in the future. I don't we have know no when. idea what's yeah. coming next year from them other than like Madden and FIFA, yeah. right? Um, Although Madden yeah. is like already out, so that's not even next well, year. Well, I mean but next year. I, I, I'm you're looking right. At they will probably make yet another one of those. They probably will. I think they already <laughs> stealth-announced it in a post about Madden 20s or 21's lineup and like features and stuff. They were like, mm-hmm. here's what we're doing in Madden 22. I was like, wait, what? To draw <laughs> another parallel just between how everything feels kind of related here, I feel, I'm sure a lot of people kind of feel this way, that it is hard to imagine the future right now for a lot of reasons. Mm, And it's uncanny to me. I mean, it's it's all related, so I guess it's not that uncanny. Like, of course, we can't imagine the future of video games in part because a lot of people making video games don't know what the future looks like because COVID-19 has rendered, has thrown everything up in the air and it's really hard for them to commit to things, so they haven't. So the future just is a lot murkier than it would otherwise be. There's also... the election is looming and who knows what that'll bring. That's the thing is, like, I can't... Yeah, and like supposedly these new consoles are going to launch right after the election. And it's like, I don't even know what any of our lives are going to look like. So it's overwhelming to look at November and think, first off, on this huge like national existential level, what is going to happen after this election? 
and that of course dominates everything at least for me like it's it's hard to think of anything without thinking of that but then there's all right. this other stuff and it's like yeah big video game consoles like that's big news and there's there's so much other stuff like that where you just look and it's all localized right around like November and October yeah. and mm-hmm. November and then after that what happens and I think I don't know like this is so it's like an echo of that happening in the world of video games lower stakes but it's still there and it just reinforces that feeling that just seems to follow me everywhere I go (laughs) yeah I really feel that because I also feel like we are not ready like Jason is correct that we knew a lot more information in 2013 before this point Mm -hmm. and this year it, it feels like I feel like the Halo Infinite delay is uh, epitomizes the sensation of how weird 2020 is because that was supposed to be <laughs> yeah. a launch title for Xbox and the idea of delaying your biggest most prestigious launch title like the one that people are excited about even though you know I had mixed feelings about that right. trailer and so did a lot of people and I understand why they would delay it but that's wild and then to pair that with the fact that we don't know how much the consoles cost supposedly they're still on track that's all any PR person has ever mm-hmm. assured me is they will absolutely they're all on track and they're totally going to ship at normal times we swear i'm just like how's that even possible guys like how mm-hmm. how are you gonna pull that off by november like we're really inching up on it and i feel like i can't believe that but that's kind of how i just feel about the month of november generally <laughs> it's right just now not gonna happen maybe <laughs> i don't know so, here's an interesting theory that i have i think a lot of this stuff would have happened even without COVID. like if COVID hadn't happened maybe e3 would have had a lot more maybe that microsoft showcase would have been presented at E3 and it would have been similar. Maybe the Sony showcase mm-hmm. would have been close to, well, I guess it was close to E3 and they were playing yeah. out of E3 anyway. But regardless, I think maybe more third-party stuff would have been present, more future-looking mm-hmm. third-party stuff. But I think Sony and Microsoft still would not be talking about the price because I think their reason for not talking about the price is that neither of them wants to go first because both right, of them want to be in a position mm-hmm. where I think Microsoft is looking to undercut Sony. I think Sony doesn't want to be undercut by Microsoft. I think they're both kind of just in this stalemate looking at each other. And then the other angle is that I actually think, based on the, the things that I have heard, I have heard some things, and based on the things I have heard, I think Halo Infinite would have been delayed anyway, with or without COVID. And I have no doubt that COVID had a major effect on on the development of that game because it's had a major effect in the development of all games. But I think Halo Infinite has some some bigger troubles, one of which I mentioned in a story that I did last week for Business Week magazine about video game contractors and how um, the this kind of shadow workforce that the industry uses, the second class citizens of the video game industry of these like perma contractors who are who are basically full time staff except they don't get benefits. Um, yeah. And one of the problems that 343 has is a Microsoft policy that says that all contractors can only work 18 months and then they have to leave. They have to take a six month break. And that has had a huge effect on Halo Infinite because 343 has a humongous amount of contractors working within there. So that has been quite disruptive for that game among other things. There have been other disruptions as well, which I will get to down the road. So that's like the game delay equivalent of like, there's a dinner party that you didn't want to go to anyways, and then <laughs> there's a pandemic, so now you're like, oh, I, we can't go. I mean, public oh, health. I just I, can't go because of the pandemic. Sorry. It's weird though, because their marketing rollout has continued. Like, I guess this is a strange example, but they have like a licensing deal with Monster Energy Drinks to like release Halo skins at a certain time, and like that's still happening with the game not being out, and that's kind of yeah, funny. Yeah, so those things, I've heard, of, I've heard stories about that sort of thing happening, where the game is delayed, but they can't delay the, the marketing right. deals. And so that's it's just happening. funny. And so I, I suspect that with, with a game like Halo, the toy deals will come out and like spoil mm-hmm. giant parts of the story because they Amazing. can't stop the Great. toys from being released. <laughs> Uh, which happens all the time. That's sort of like the dead Master Chief toy will come out. Yeah, yeah. Master Chief zombie, often. zombie Master Chief. Master Chief as a grunt. Uh, here's my question. Here's a question for both of you. Yeah. On the console tip, if 
both Microsoft and Sony don't announce a price for the consoles by the time the consoles come out. Are the consoles free? <laughs> yes, I think so. yeah, that's, I think that's, that's how, how it works. That's legal. Right? Yeah, that, yeah, that is. I think legal, that's binding. Yeah. Like we get the consoles for free. Yes, as yes. long as they don't say a price. It's like, well, exactly. I mean. That, you got to send me one. That now. is how it works. There is no price. That is how it works. Right. There's negative price. Okay. You actually get money if you go and you try to get yeah, one. Yeah, they pay you to take a console. It's like right, when right, the, right, when right. the oil <laughs> tanks were worth negative money. Um, it's the equivalent of that. It's like that. It rolls over. It goes back to it's negative. a. It's like a government subsidy kind of a situation, right? Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's how COVID relief is going to be provided in got November. It. Everybody it's gets a console. console. Everybody gets a console. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked a lot about the consoles. We did an episode on them a couple months ago. We will definitely or a couple weeks ago. We We'll definitely talk more about the consoles in the future. Let's talk about some other big news that has happened this week, this uh, summer. First of all, a couple of weeks ago, Warner Brothers announced a few big games for the first time in a long time. WB Montreal announced their game. That is the studio that made Arkham Origins and hasn't made anything since then. That was a long time ago. Um, they announced Gotham Knights, which is a co-op uh, multiplayer Batman game, except Batman's dead and you're going around the city as like Batgirl and Robin and stuff. And then they announced Rocksteady's game, finally, Suicide squad which i kind of alluded to like two years ago when we were when mm-hmm. we were talking about the justice league leaks and i was like guys it's not a justice league game um <laughs> they have not yet announced a harry potter game that that is in yeah. the works but they will um but yeah what did you guys think of the gotham knights and suicide squad reveals did you guys watch the trailers uh, I did. I'm a Marvel girl, so you know. <laughs> not a DC fan. <laughs> it'll be fine i guess i like harley quinn i'll play a game with her in there so yeah, I Gotham Knights looks cool. I like all of those Batman games, and I actually think Arkham Origins yeah. is kind of underrated. I think WB, WB Montreal did a good job with that game. I have no idea how many people who worked on that game are still there, but right. um, that game I think is pretty good and kind of got a bad uh, rap at the time just because people were like, it's the B team. Oh, but I wound up, I played it way later, and I was like, this is good. This is a cool game. There's some good Joker stuff in this. This is creative. And the idea of a co-op sort of superhero game, I mean, we're, we'll see how Avengers turns out, but it seems yeah. like now we've gone from, like, it's kind of cool that this is, that, that there's now an Arkham game doing this, because the whole thing with Arkham Asylum, when that came out, that was the first time there'd been a superhero game that wasn't yeah. some crappy tie-in to a movie that sucked and was rushed out because it had to meet a movie release date, et cetera, et cetera. And mm-hmm. it blew everyone away, and it was this huge thing. And now we just kind of take it for granted that there's just going to be more Batman games that have their own whole, like, you know, canon and their own story, and they bring in people to write these great stories for these Batman games. And now they're kind of going to the groups. Like, it's beyond just having a Batman game. Now it's, we're going to have a super group game. Avengers is coming out, and now they're doing mm-hmm. this with Gotham Knights. I think it's a cool idea. I am sure Batman is really dead in this. No question about it. <laughs> Batman is dead. Yeah, not, not coming, coming back. Definitely not going to be a villain. No way. Yeah, and I bet Suicide Squad will be cool, too. Just because, like, the James Gunn Suicide Squad movie is going to come out. The Harley yeah. Quinn movie, which I haven't seen, but I gather is, is good. I'm going to watch it on HBO now. Yeah. Yeah, I want to see it. So it seems like Suicide Squad is kind of, like, getting some real cultural heat on it's it. getting its redemption arc at yeah, this yeah. point after that like awful suicide oh my god movie. unwatchable i literally <laughs> stopped watching that movie like five, 10 minutes in because it was so bad <laughs> well that's that trailer the rock city trailer is hilarious um i gotta say so the the cynical take on what you just said kirk is that the reason these these companies are suddenly switching to multiplayer co-op superhero games is because they want you to keep playing it and sell microtransactions and turn, oh, yeah, turn it into course, a service game so um it is not like artistic 
purity here that that is making people go that way. But yes, it is it is cool. It is a cool trend to see. I think it's 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 going to be cool to see. I think that game could be good. Um, a little bit of context is here is that Warner Brothers Montreal has actually had a rough last decade because since Origins they had a big studio executive upheaval. They canceled right. a couple of games they were working on. They were working. They were actually working on a Suicide Squad game. It was never announced, but they were working on that. They were also working on a Damian Wayne Batman game. But they were working on those two um, towards the end of I think it was 2016. Both of those games were canceled, and Rocksteady wound up with Suicide Squad, and then well, WME Montreal started doing Gotham Knights. So, so that's just some interesting history there. It'll be very. I'm very curious to see how both of these games turn out, um, and very very excited. I'm especially excited for a new Rocksteady game. It's been so long since we got to see Rocksteady. That Arkham games. Knight was 2015, and yes, they make good games. Um, this will be 2022. I'm just waiting for that Harry Potter game to come. <laughs> you, yes. Come have a yeah. trailer and then for all of the internet discourse about it to just ignite into flames. Because Harry Potter is like Harry Potter's a very different thing now than it was. It's a very different thing but now. But it's going to be, uh, I mean, to those of us, I, I feel like all three of us are big Harry Potter fans in general. Well, so but I feel like last yeah. fans. But, well, but that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. That's isn't the thing. It? It's like, how will this be able to bring you back? Like, or is it immoral at this point? These, these will be conversations oh, no. for when it's announced. The question is going to be, will the game have as many needless adverbs as the books that's really my question (laughs) i think it'll be an interesting moral quandary for people when it comes to like separating the art from the artist and just the comments that jk rowling's made lately like there's so many people who disagree with her politically Mm -hmm. and she Mm -hmm. will absolutely benefit from that game and i have had a theory for a while that the reason they haven't announced it is because she keeps stepping in it on twitter and they keep being Mm -hmm. like well we can't announce it now and then like every few months they keep not being able to announce it and they're just waiting for the right time that's my own theory though it's Mm. not based on anything i just yeah mm. well so what i have heard behind the scenes well so they were going to announce it at e3 because they were going to do an e3 press conference where they talked about all those comic book games were supposed to be announced at e3 along with harry potter and i think Mm. harry potter was bumped after e3 was canceled i don't think it was bumped because of jk but i think maybe it was bumped further because of jk i'm not 100 percent sure but but i think it was it was supposed to be later in the year regardless of jk um but yeah the jk thing certainly certainly upset people um Kirk, to your point about adverbs, did you know that there is a line in the book, in one of the Harry Potter books, um, where it's a quote, and then the quote ends by, like, blah, 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 Ron ejaculated loudly. So just Yeah, she, she goes through a phase at one point where she likes to say ejaculated. Mm. It's important to it's important to keep your, your masturbation jokes in Harry Potter at all costs. There's wands in there, you yes. know? That's true. There's wands. A couple more, <laughs> a couple more news events we should talk about. Um, the Epic versus Apple War is continuing. There hasn't really been any news on that front since the last time we talked, other than kind of granular details. So we don't really have to get into that. But again, that could be like a groundbreaking, like total cataclysmic or or total shift for for the industry for the mobile games industry um i want to talk about ubisoft because ubisoft has just been like the sideshow bob gif of like him walking onto rakes that fantastic simpson scene of of uh cape fear where he gets out of the car and he's just walking on one rake after the other that's ubisoft ubisoft but like he put out all the rakes for himself right. in exactly. the past and exactly. he's acting right. like it's not his fault that's that's ubisoft so ubisoft uh we have talked about their sexual misconduct 
economic scandals and the kind of cultural reckoning that they had to face earlier this summer when it was revealed that a lot of people were were not doing great things at the company. A lot of people in high-level positions of the company um, were, were uh, including, but not limited to, a lot of sexual misconduct and, and even alleged assault. Now, most recently, uh, Ubisoft put out this game. It is a mobile game, so nobody really cared about it, but they put it out, and it was called Tom Clancy's Elite Squad. And you know nobody really cared about it because the drama didn't start until like three or four days after it actually came out when someone yeah. uh, took the... A comedian, Jake Young, took a funny video of it and made fun of it, and then that tweet went viral, and yes. everybody noticed how politically... Uh, crappy <laughs> the messaging in this game looks for lack of a better turn of yeah, phrase fun fun fact maddie jake young's sister jake young's sister went to high school with me fun fact was in my high school grade um but yes cool. the the video was like very much like it's, it's a fun my, my high school grade was very small so this is an interesting an interesting piece of fine okay it's not interesting it's interesting to you anyway it's lore it's jason lore <laughs> some some schreier lore wait what um, was this video i i saw what this was from a distance but tell me yeah about so it. let me let me let me set that tone so the video is it's a minute and a half so the mobile game is very uneventful it's like a little tactics game free to play nonsense like it got bad reviews and stuff it's not interesting i mean at it's all. it's got a great name tom clancy's elite, elite squad, squad. Yeah, the squad they're elite good. they're not just any squad well and it's tom clancy's squad it's, I know, it's tom yeah, clancy's yeah. squad like he runs this yeah. tom clancy himself put together this squad the so. elite squad he made sure to pick the most elite people for so this game so this game starts off with a video and i don't believe this is really like referenced throughout the game it's kind of like an independent video that's an introductory yeah they always kind of start with a video that's like a montage Mm -hmm. of world Mm -hmm. shit bad stuff is happening and only you etc well so the video says uh, it is describing a terrorist organization within the the world of the game called umbra and umbra (laughs) is described as a group that like infiltrate infiltrates social media like criticizes government leaders and uses Mm -hmm. the black raised fist as their logo so people saw this and were like what the hell because it was it, it, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it clearly was evocative of Black Lives Matter and current events. Um, mm-hmm. So, a little bit more context on this is that first of all, the creative director and the studio head of that of the studio that made the studio is, and the creative director of the game is a guy named Charlie Guillemot. Kirk, does that name sound familiar, Guillemot? In fact, it does, Jason. <laughs> that is because Charlie Guillemont is the son of Yves Guillemont, the CEO of Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. Now, you might think, hmm, did Charlie Guillemont maybe work his way up through the ranks over the course of a couple decades That's exactly to what get I was where thinking. he was? Yeah, well, interestingly, uh, according to Charlie Guillemont's LinkedIn, um, he graduated from university in 2014 and became studio head in 2014. A job he shares with one other person. Studio manager is the official title. Now, uh, what happened internally, and someone passed along some screenshots of Ubisoft's internal message boards to me uh, the other day, is um, people got pissed. Ubisoft people were like, "What the hell?" Like they were just as mad as everybody on social media criticizing this video, and this they were is, just oh, like, about, "They were mad about the video, not about him being studio head." Just to <laughs> be clear, what you're referring to about yeah, the yeah, video? Yeah. No, people have known that he's been studio head. Yes, um, to be clear, they were mad about the video. Um, a couple people brought up that like as Yves' son like this guy should know better um, and then in this this thread where people were complaining one person was like I'm so this is me paraphrasing but I'm so exhausted with everything Ubisoft these days um, mm. after one yeah. thing after the other and then um, 
Charlie Guillemont, the studio manager, actually got in there and responded, and he said, I'm going to take down the video, like, I'm sorry, like, he wrote this response, and people were just like, yeah, this this is not good enough, a bunch of people were just like, you should know better, and yeah, people at Ubisoft, it should be said, were not pleased by this, so, man, then, the, to put the cherry on top, they had been planning, before any of this, they had been planning a new Ubisoft Forward, like a stream where they were going to announce a bunch of games, like the Prince yep. of Persia remake that, that was leaked a couple of weeks ago um that is planned that was announced today as being for next week september 10th so uh-huh. so they are once again faced with a ubisoft direct because Jeez. this happened in june also where like or july where like mm-hmm. right after the the crisis happened they had this thing and now and that time they decided not to address it at all and they announced mm-hmm. in advance like we're not going to be addressing this at ubisoft forward this time they have this other issue that they have to decide what, what to do about right beforehand I predict they will also not address it. I guess I guess we can talk about it on our stream that night. We can find out what they're going to do yeah, and we can talk God. about it. It's the same this day. Is just, it's just the cost of doing abstracted politics like this. The way that yes. they both have their cake and eat it. You know, this, this we don't do specific politics. So instead, it's like there's a vague terrorist organization. And then you wind up with this weird stuff where you're kind of like... Mm-hmm. you're like evoking real world stuff, but you're kind of not. And so people are upset about it, but then other people are saying, well, that's not it. And it's like, no, but it clearly is. But they're like, well, but it's Umbra. And it's like, if you just either do it or don't do it, like <laughs> this, this like half measure thing is just, uh, just sucks. So mm-hmm. I actually don't think that's the case based on, based on the things I've heard. I I'm kind of in a, in a, privileged position because I talked to a lot of Ubisoft people, but I actually think this was a straight up conservative like viewpoint inserted into the game. And like the people who directed this game are like straight up criticizing what they see as like a terrorist organization. Like, I don't even think it's like, we want to stay neutral and just do vague generic shit. And Tom Clancy, obviously he's dead now, but when he was living, he was a big conservative. Dude. Oh yeah, for sure. And like he had right wing viewpoints. I think a lot of these Ubisoft games have right wing viewpoints and, and I don't think it's like, I think the neutrality is very much in the Gamergate spirit of like, like we don't want politics in our game when it's actually the reactionary, like conservative viewpoint. No, right. Of course. And they choose like hot button issues like social media infiltration. And they're, I mean, they pick things that like say Russian disinformation campaigns are doing Uh as a way to sound relevant. And Tom Clancy has always, you know, his books did the same thing. There's always been this like veneer of reality to it. And Tom Clancy also did the same thing, where it would be like made-up countries sometimes in his books would be the stand-ins for real, for real places. Ones. And it yeah. gives it's like there's this kind of alibi there where you're you're saying whatever you're saying, you know, about a country in the Middle East or about a country in Eastern Europe or about America. Right. Well, America is always America. Like how um how Ghost Recon was in Bolivia and then the Bolivian government got super upset about it. Other times, mm-hmm. like Sam Fisher games, there's like fake terrorist organizations in the world but they evoke whatever real thing and in this case yeah it could be that right the writers themselves are like no we're gonna make this look like black lives matter because we think that black lives matter is a terrorist organization i think it's kind of that classic conflict of like management being very conservative and most of the employees being progressive minded liberal um and we're seeing that clash play out in so many different places on Mm -hmm. so many different fronts and i don't think uh, uh gaming companies are any exception 
And yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case, like in a lot of places where the people on top are actually making decisions. They're actually yeah. Putting... I guess where what I'm saying with the abstract thing is that it lets them slip anything in. Oh yeah, dog whistles. Yeah, you can because just get you away can with just it. Just make it abstract. Like it's like if they were saying in the game, if it was about Black Lives Matter, there would have been way more scrutiny on it from the right. beginning. Yeah, if it was like the terrorist organization is Antifa or something. Like if right. they were using mm-hmm. actual terms that people use in real life or right. as part of actual political misinformation right. campaigns, it would be harder to get then away. it would be yeah. very hard for them to deny that the game was crypto fascist right. in some yeah. way. No, but totally. because it's got all the serial numbers filed off, they can be like, what do you mean? Uh, this is just a right. game. Both they have an alibi <laughs> and it's more likely that it'll sneak its way in there and people won't say yeah. anything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, so that's the thing. I think it's it's very easy to believe, to give them give people the benefit of the doubt and be like, oh, they this was unintentional, it was clumsy, mm-hmm. when I think in some of the cases that we've seen so far, it's actually the opposite and it's very yeah. much like this is right. the viewpoint we want to which is why here. it's so hard to argue this i mean you you refer to gamergate but like that's that's always the trick is like well games aren't political they're not saying anything and if you try right. to analyze any of these actual political themes and be like but these evoke certain real life images and these organizations are described this way in real life and that is what this game is trying to call to mind you could easily just be like well but it's fictional and umbra's not anything and that puts the onus on you like you're doing the work to make yes. the connections and then they're just dis- someone can just discount your work rather than yes. the thing in question because even though what you're all you're doing is like drawing extremely clear connections between right. two things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's Ubisoft. One more company I want to talk about when it comes to the summer of gaming news, and that is a company that has been mm-hmm. weirdly MIA. Nintendo, Nintendo of Japan and America. So Nintendo huh. um, has been basically, and Europe, I guess. Nintendo has been basically MIA all summer. Nintendo so they of have the announced. World. So instead of uh, <laughs> instead of uh, while they were probably going to do a whole big thing at E3 as they always do, even though they don't do press conferences, they always have a big booth. They always do Nintendo Direct. They always have some big game that they're focusing on. Um, rumors suggest that they were going to focus on a Mario Blowout this year, and they were going to do a whole big Mario compilation package, which I think is still in the works, but probably uh, later on. Um, Nintendo has instead been MAA all summer. They've had a couple of random announcements. They said, hey, Paper Mario is coming. It's out in two months. They just said, hey, Pikmin 3 Deluxe is coming. It's out in two months. But other than that, they haven't announced a single first party game since, I guess, Animal Crossing, other than those two. Um, They have had a few partner directs where they've had like third parties and indies come on and say, hey, what's up? Uh, We're going to put our games on Switch. Um, But but they have not... um, announced any big fall first party games which is interesting and they also haven't talked about they haven't provided any new updates on uh any of the games they've announced already like metroid prime 4 um or breath Breath of the the wild Wild 2 2. which some people hoped would come this fall so yeah nintendo who can say who those people were (laughs) Um, unnamed people yet at the same time the switch continues to be at least my favorite console definitely one of the best consoles out there and (laughs) nintendo is literally printing money animal crossing and like their revenue there's some ridiculous stat that was released a couple of months a couple of weeks ago that was basically their revenue uh went up 400 percent like <laughs> year over year or quarter over quarter or something like that animal crossing is already one of the best selling games of all time with like 23 million copies sold um because of the pandemic and because it became a cultural phenomenon early in because year, it's so. awesome because it's an yeah. awesome awesome. <laughs> um so Nintendo's doing fine, <laughs> despite yeah. 
despite not really having much of a lineup for this fall. We're the ones who aren't doing fine because we yeah, want we need that, that gaming news. <laughs> Nintendo is doing great. Yeah. Well, although you have to wonder, you have to wonder what their their revenue would look like this fall if they don't actually have anything to sell on Black Friday. So they've got to they've got to announce something. Maybe fine, honestly. Like yeah. uh, switches are still so hard to get. They could just That's put true. out a bunch more mm-hmm. switches and make yep. a bunch of money immediately. Yep. I don't know. I'm not worried about them. I think the thing Nintendo needs to do is um, announce Hollow Knight Silk Song. I mean, I think that's the mm. obvious winning move. Yeah. For that's, them right true. Now. Nintendo, that's true. Nintendo, listen to this. Do what I'm saying. Come on, I'm giving you guys free advice here. Just announce. Just tell us when okay, it's coming out. Okay, but what about what about a full Metroid Prime remastered collection? That's that is the okay. surprise Nintendo. Another winning that move. Hard to argue. I am waiting for. <laughs> so if if I had to guess, and I think I read this somewhere, so credit to if in case I forgot, credit to whoever I read this from. Wow, um, that was but, very thoughtful of you, Jason. Yeah, sorry, I forgot. I totally forgot. Um, so credit to them but i think that it would i would not be surprised to see nintendo do the mario 3d compilation package that's like sunshine and galaxy right, 64 right, right. and do like a mario themed switch for black friday which would sell Ooh. a bazillion copies like a, a dark red themed switch that comes with that it would mm-hmm. sell gazillions of, of mm-hmm. units um and they wouldn't even have to like announce anything else as well like that alone would just do remarkably well yeah yeah you just do mario stuff year yeah. of mario you know they do they pull that kind of thing sometimes where there's just like kind of no new nintendo games for a while like i'm thinking of the 3ds where there's just this really long period where there were kind of no games maybe they feel like they're set yeah, yeah. like well they- i think it's covid i think covid has affected sure. them possibly more mm-hmm. than other companies um because they were in japan they were they got a, a large brunt of it um i imagine it is harder for a japanese company that is very reliant on like people being in the office at all hours of the day to to switch to working from home i bet nintendo has always been paranoid about like secrecy and, and keeping things um they used to like when they gave dev kits to press they used to like insist that you lock it to your table in the office um so so, yeah, it's it's easy to imagine them not transitioning well to working from home. But I don't know. Who who can say? Yeah, it's interesting. They've been both very negatively affected, like more than most people, but also very positively affected. Yep. In that mm-hmm. they, yep. Animal Crossing was such a hit. Yep. Yeah, maybe yeah. they can use all the extra money to help give uh, more stuff to the people who are working from home. I don't know how that would even work. <laughs> better office chairs. Yeah, that makes sense. Gamer chairs. Gamer chairs for everybody. Yeah, gamer chairs all around. It'll probably go to their investors. It'll probably go to dividends to their investors. Seems more um, likely. One thing mm, that's interesting bad. about Nintendo is that even though they do delay games, it seems like they, more than other companies, are like more willing to wait until they have a concrete release date and then say, hey, we're going to come out. Which is why like this summer it's been like, okay, we're putting this out in two months right, because they know right. for sure that it's actually going to mm-hmm. be able to make it. You know what they say? It's a delayed game game announcement is eventually exciting where a game announcement that then leads to a game delay is all the more disappointing also listen to triple click it's a super good podcast (laughs) they always say that everyone does everyone says that full sentence i remember the whole quote i'm I'm impressed with myself (laughs) yes good job uh kirk miyamoto over here shigeru hamilton um on that note why don't we take a break and then we'll be back with one more thing Hey, Jake Heath. Hey, Helen. I hear you have a true-false quiz you want me to finish. I do. Here we begin. We host a trivia game show podcast on the Max Fun Network called Go Fact Yourself. True. Correct. 
Chat. The show is all about celebrity guests answering trivia questions about things J. Keith enjoys. False. We sometimes don't talk about baseball or cats. Thank God. It's questions about things they enjoy. Next, we bring on surprise experts every episode. True. Correct. Final question. It's just the two of us sitting alone with these guests. False. Correct. We have a live audience at the Angel City Brewery. See? You can hear Go Fact Yourself every first and third Friday of the month. And if you don't listen, you can go fact yourself. True. Readers have a lot of problems. How do you juggle your holes at the library? How do you decide what to read next? What do you do when you find out an author you love is a huge trash baby? I'm Brea Grant. And I'm Mallory O'Mara. And we're the hosts of Reading Glasses. We're here to solve all your reader problems and along the way, help you figure out your reader wheelhouse, which are the things that will absolutely make you pick up a book. Our listener favorites tend to be magic and a woman on a journey. And also birds for some reason. Your reader doghouse. Yeah, that's the things that'll make you avoid a book. Ugh, love triangles stress me out so much. Reading Glasses. Every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. And we are back. Kirk Kumadi, that was the summer of gaming news. And now it is time for one more thing. Uh, Kirk, why don't you go first? Because right. you are doing the same one more thing that I did last week. <laughs> yeah, mine is easy and and pretty short. But uh, my one more thing is a little Netflix show called Dark that I started watching because I had actually been planning to watch this for a long time. A bunch of my friends watched it and then Jason, you watched it and you were telling me it was good. And I finally decided, okay, we're, we're going to watch this thing. So Emily and I started watching it and it rules. Uh, that is, it, your everybody's take was correct. This is a really fun <laughs> show to watch how far are you uh like episode eight we're coming up on the end of season one stuff is happening uh <laughs> oh. things things happen in this show and then the ex- exciting things for me are seeing tweets from people saying i can't believe the ending was as good as it was like not just knowing that it ended yeah. and it ended well because we're so conditioned to watch this kind of story and think well, this is fun, but it's going to all fall apart at some point. And knowing that it doesn't is nice because the whole point of this show is the kind of work of putting it all together. It's this extremely complicated. I was going to say Gordian knot, but that's actually the wrong thing to reference because you. Unless you're untying the knot. Perhaps? Right. And you don't ever just cut through it. Like the whole point is you do right. untie the knot a string at a time. So you can untie a Gordian knot. Right. So yeah. I exactly. Don't know, so it's, it's this, that was the wrong one to go for. It's funny that you mention a knot. And that's all I'll say. Okay. Oh. <laughs> um, but it is, it's, it is very complicated. It reminds me, actually, watching with Emily reminds me of playing Return of the Obra Dinn. Because mm. oh. you do so much keeping track of people. There are a lot of people, and it's a time travel show, so there is a lo- there are different timelines. And it's very complex, and it does explain things to you. And there are times where it will just show you this is what's happening. But a lot of times it doesn't. And if you really want to get what's going on, the sort of richness of the story, you really have to pay attention to those details. The only reason I'm down to do that is that I know that the people making the show give a shit about it all making sense. Because time travel is so easy to mess up. I always think of Heroes. That show, did did you both watch Heroes? I watched the first season, which is the only good one. (laughs) 
That's exactly where people should stop. Yeah. Okay, that's the same. I watched the first season and kind of stopped in season two. Yeah, but that was yeah. a show where it was very post Lost. It was very there's time travel. What's going to happen? And then really quickly, it was like, oh, the time travel, and this is just a dog's breakfast. This is just going to be a mess. And then yep. it totally was. Where in this, very clearly, it's like, okay, this is going to be about time travel, but we are, you know, this is German engineering. Like we are going to make this whole thing totally tied together and all the questions you have will be answered and they do a good Mm -hmm. job of sort of answering a few questions for you early on so that you don't feel totally in the dark and you start to trust them and it's just great the music is totally killer it's all these all this great like 80s german pop and stuff the vibe is really cool so i'm just i'm really into it it's on netflix it's called dark jason talked about it last week but yeah this is another endorsement for me it's super good yeah i will say so first of all amanda and i while we were watching we spent a lot of time pausing and being like Mm -hmm. okay this person is this he's her he's he yep, he's yep. We do him the same. she's her etc cetera, etc cetera. so i recommend doing that um you're watching in german right with english yes, subtitles yes. that's the way to go and then the other thing i'll say is definitely not i wouldn't say every single question is answered there are definitely some lingering mysteries by the oh, end oh yeah 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 no that's fine but not like it doesn't just cheat against its own rules yeah, yeah. well so the difference between this and lost which is the easiest comparison to make is that in lost they were making it up as they went and just right. writing writing well, for the first like three seasons they were yeah right writing yeah. questions that they didn't even know the answers to in mm-hmm. this they clearly have plotted everything out and actually yes. even though so what happens is season two and three just introduce new ideas as seasons of tv shows always do except they're like little hints in the first season that make it very clear that even the totally stuff that seems out of nowhere mm-hmm. was actually hinted at all along which i love you know we really have we have lost's failure to thank for all of these shows that now <laughs> yeah, make sense like true. lost no, did 100%. not make sense so that all of these shows could it really it really we owe a debt to lost but the one thing that lost but nobody else is maybe i'm kind of biased because i watched so much lost and repeated watching it and like was so into it back in the day and like every every week was like reading theories online before each episode but like no very few shows have created the sort of characters that lost has like the memorability you know a show that's kind of like lost that had characters that were as good as lost the, the leftovers, leftovers. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's a, that's one example no show that's not written that's not show run mm-hmm. by damon lindelof mm-hmm. has like hit that hit that bar and i think dark dark is like on the puzzle side of things really blows the lost out of the water but on the character side of things the characters in, are in dark are good but like none of them have stuck with me yeah like, they're going for a kind of a different thing like it's a little more it's a, the vibe yeah. is kind of different with the characters and the story but there's and, nobody as memorable like you you say saeed or yeah. sawyer and like you know like immediately it's like you know exactly who you're talking about. so it's like lost despite my my overall very mixed feelings about that show i think the characters really just just are on it yeah that's mixed feelings they they're a mix of good and bad right i feel the same way um let me go next because maddie i have a feeling we'll want to really dive into your, <laughs> sure, your you thing want. and my thing is pretty quick my one more thing is retro games so since uh sgdq which was last week and went really well they turned they wound up summer games done quick as a is an annual speedrunning event. It's like a marathon. A bunch of speedrunners get together. And it's always at a hotel, except obviously they couldn't do it in a giant, like, crowded, germ-filled hotel this year. So they took it all online, and it worked surprisingly well. There were a couple of, like, audio hiccups here and there, and you definitely, like, missed the live crowd energy. But um, but the show worked really well, and there were a lot of good runs. I thought Biden actually gave a really good speech at the end of Summer Games. <laughs> he did. So he impressed. did. Yes, he did. He was like, he was like man, I could have gotten a personal best if only I had an <laughs> out of the Bowser fight here. <laughs> but only I didn't miss that jump. But anyway, so watching that 
got me kind of on a retro games kick. So I've been playing like a few random ass retro games on on emulators and stuff. And I just bring it up because that is what I've been playing. So I was playing um, this game called Lufia 2, which is like this old school Super Nintendo RPG that is very... um, it's like a mix of Final Fantasy and Zelda. It's got a bunch of Zelda-like puzzles, which are really fun. And um, this quirky, charming story. And that's been really fun to play. I was playing some Final Fantasy V, which mm. is uh, another just great retro game. Um, and just sitting, kicking back, playing on my computer on an emulator with a, with a, with a PS4 controller has been pretty fun. It's a pretty, pretty fun thing to do, especially if you're watching something and have played these games before. Yeah. And, man, I love retro games. Gotta yeah. say. Man, you know, I... Um, I I had not fully realized until we were talking about one of the classic games that we may play in the future that I will not reveal now, <laughs> that, that all of these Super Nintendo games are also now available on the Switch, just on the yes. retro games tip. Not, well, not all a of them. A lot of them are. It's a lot of games. I mean, no way. It's not a lot. It is not a lot. It's a very small selection. Sorry. Uh, the, there were like 700 Super Nintendo games. It's like... 20 or 30 on the Oh, no, I mean, I, I, I sorry, yeah, I'm not, I don't mean to say all of the Super Nintendo games. I All of these, just the fact that, like, the subscription I'm paying to be able to play Animal Crossing with my nieces also gets me access mm. to all of these cool games sure. that I, a lot of which yes. I didn't play, mm-hmm. uh, was cool. And actually, when I was hanging out with my nieces, I was showing them, you know, they're always kind of being like, you know, Dad, Mom, can we get another game? And they only get one game every so often. But I'm like, you guys already have a lot of games. You know, you could go play some of these classics. I'm trying to get into to play Super Metroid. Yeah, play Super Metroid. Yeah, yeah. seeing if they would get yeah. into that. Yeah, that's a but fun that, one. But that, I've been, yeah, going back and playing some of those. I've anyway. thought a lot about, like, when I start getting my daughter into video games, like, what, whether to give her the old stuff mm-hmm. or, the, or the new stuff. It's kind of like a parent's dilemma. Dark Souls, right at the beginning. Yeah, just start her right up with Dark Souls as soon as she can read. Yeah, right yeah. into Bloodborne. <laughs> right, Bloodborne off the um, bat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she just did a little shriek as soon as you said <laughs> that. Because she's so excited about From Software games. <laughs> the, reason, the reason I reacted so strongly to, this, to your comment, Kirk, is because Nintendo had such a good thing going with the virtual console and just threw it all away mm-hmm. for the Switch. And like they had so many classic games running on like the Wii and the 3DS and most of them are gone That's for true. the Switch inexplicably. So the way they've handled retro games really, really makes me angry. Yeah, um, it's not ideal, but, um, but, but yeah. you know what? I've, I'm just going to buy Super Metroid on every single platform I can. I'm not happy about how it's exactly. been handled. <laughs> I'm, just, yeah. I'm still going to give Nintendo my money so the joke's on me, you know? I'm very much in favor. If you have the original cartridge, if you've bought it at some point on some mm-hmm. platform, then then there's nothing wrong with playing it on an emulator mm-hmm. as long as you I own agree. it in some, some other way. Um, or if... if if there's like literally no way to play it. Um, Maddie, what's your one more thing? Okay, so I played my very first Destiny 2 raid this past hey. weekend. And amazing. I, I would love say it. the real game was finding a time when six grown adults could <laughs> all play a game at the same yep. time. Yeah, that is part that is the first raid challenge. That was the first raid challenge. It was very difficult. That is the reason my D&D group has fallen apart. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was very difficult. And we also did not complete the raid. So we played the Leviathan raid, which the three of us actually visited together when we did our Destiny yes. 2 stream. stream. We yeah. didn't play it because there were only three of us and we definitely wouldn't have been able to beat it. Now that I've played <laughs> yeah. enough of it, I know and that I, that's I true. I forgot how it all goes. Also. Yeah. <laughs> I, have you two beaten it? Oh, yeah. Plenty, many, many times. Mm-hmm. There was a while there where I was like running with, I was actually running with Ryan Gilliam's crew uh, from Polygon. Oh, that's and he great. plays with some extremely high level, like hardcore players. And I was just, they just would run the raid over and over and over again. Yeah. And I was just kind of casually playing with them some nights and it was amazing. So I like have done that raid 
inside and out. You got carried by Ryan and friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maddie, you should check out the Riven raid, the Dreaming City raid, because that's actually better than Leviathan. But yeah, tell tell us about. Yeah, what do you think of it? I loved it. I would say I really strongly recommend this. Before we did it, I was like, "Is this really worth getting six people together? Like, is it really going to be that great?" And it was such a emotionally binding and healing experience. Like, part of that was the pandemic, I think, because I have so few occasions to have like a party of some kind even like a virtual mm-hmm. one and that sensation of being with five friends and shooting the shit but also working together to solve a complex problem and i don't know those two feelings combined to be like one of the best days i've had in a very long time so that oh, in awesome. and of itself was just super super pleasant um, that's so good yeah. i assume someone on the team like knew how to beat the raid and was yes. walking you through it so kado of vice was the person yeah. who had beaten the raid many many times had all of the flags he was he was our guide through the raid all of the rest of us had never played the raid and some of us were relatively low level um and i <laughs> it was great that all of us didn't know what we were doing and that kado is such an extremely patient person <laughs> because none of us knew <laughs> that what we were important. doing that is like an important our unofficial raid title became no apologies because we just had a blanket rule that no one was allowed to apologize for That's screwing up at any point which created this very warm supportive atmosphere and i think it really helped very because good. there's so raids for people who don't play destiny 2 and don't know there's a there actually is a lot of teamwork and puzzle solving involved like you have to do actions at the same time as multiple other people on your team be in certain locations at the same time or be trading off like a rally race or like playing uh, capture the flag or, or games where you really need to coordinate with one another in order to achieve certain ends in the game and so kato would be like commanding out certain directions that each of us needed to have and we would all be following directions but also all needing to be very forgiving of one another if we screwed up any one of our pieces that we needed to perform but each of us screwed up an equal Mm -hmm. amount of times and so that was really great and when we succeeded it felt amazing it's such a it's like a team building exercise it it totally is yeah it was incredible oh man okay so maddie i think that Okay, if you want some 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 advice, please, um, like for the next, for, if you want to do another raid, I do something you could try that will be really intense and I think really fun is going in with a group of people and nobody knows right. what to do. That would be very because, different. So what Kirk and I did back in the day, Kirk might disagree. He looks like he's about to disagree, but but let me just no no, no say, I, have, I just I have, I think this is really interesting. <laughs> So Kirk and I, so way back in the day, Destiny 1, Vault of Glass days and like Crota's mm-hmm. End and um, the Oryx one, uh, Knights, whatever, King's Fall. So what we used to do, we had a group of people and we were all hardcore into Destiny and we would do the raids completely blind. So as soon as they came out, we would all find a time to get mm-hmm. together and we would jump on and we would just stumble our way through yeah, the puzzles. Yeah, for and hours. It would take us hours yeah. and hours. And like there would be points where we'd be playing for six, seven, eight hours and we were like, guys, we got to call it. We got to come back tomorrow and try harder try again on the next and like try with a fresh fresh eyes or whatever and it was just grueling and exhilarating and like one of the most satisfying things ever is like to figure out the puzzle as a group of six because some of them are so esoteric and obscure to figure out and like you really have to like know what the game is expecting you to do Um, and it was just so satisfying by the end of it it's something I will never be able to do again now that I have a child and don't have that many hours to spare but like back then back when we could do it I don't have a kid 
I'm good. I could do it. Right. Exactly. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. I think. I think if you go in with a group of like your good friends and like none of you have done a raid before, mm-hmm. you that specific raid before, you will really enjoy yourselves. Um, yeah, I think so too. I. But I don't know, Kirk. What do you, do you think? That's a good idea. Yeah, I. I think that that. It's funny, you say that you'll never do it again because you have a daughter, but I think that also it's just because it's harder to do that in the way that we did it back then because the game is different and so many people are different. I think it's just hard. Like, It's hard for me to imagine having that experience without a lot of stars aligning. Partly, you need to have everyone be on the same level. Yeah. Like, really the same frequency. Like, it has to be, like, it's Mm. very hard, or I've at least found, and it's probably partly that we play with professional game journalists and people who are, or people who take the game very seriously. Mm -hmm. But it was was always really hard to get six people, six entire people, (laughs) where not one person in the group (laughs) was half impatient or (laughs) two-thirds impatient. Right. They have to be entirely patient people who don't care. Because even one person getting impatient, yes, they'll get on. They get on Reddit or they go somewhere and they're like, "I'm just going to look at a guide." And there's this feeling of like, now that the game is just people aggressively go at it and they beat the raid within a few hours, and then everything is mapped out. And there's like a master thread on the subreddit explaining everything. You just that's just always there. Where it felt to me, at least, when we were first playing the Vault of Glass, like way back in whatever 2014, that just kind of wasn't in my head as much. Pioneers. I I was just playing, and we were just playing together, and it was a thing that I I don't think is possible to recapture, I guess. Well, we also had a super chill group back then, I will say, and, like, we were all really on the same wavelength when it came to, like, okay, we're gonna do this blind, mm-hmm. like, no matter what. Yeah. Like, it might be frustrating sometimes, but, like... So, yeah, it's kind of about finding the right group. Yeah, I, I agree. I just feel like I've really struck gold with this group of people, so yeah, that's <laughs> I'm awesome. just gonna yeah. play games with them, I you guess. You guys should do it. Oh, man, you're in for a treat. So, the Dreaming City raid is really good. Um, I don't even remember. I don't know if I've done all of the newer raids um, since then. Dreaming City one, is cool. Leviathan is is a little more approachable in some ways. What was mm-hmm. your favorite thing, Maddie? What was your favorite part of the raid that you did? Uh, I mean, I really loved solving the puzzles, like I said. Even though Kato yeah. told us the answers, it was still like figuring out how to it's actually execute the them yeah, sure. so, like, felt yeah. like a puzzle mm-hmm. as well. But there's also navigating yep. the sewers, which I'm sure you guys had to do, and that was just like freaking hilarious. Like there's this moment where we all had to like crouch walk on this one pipe, and like watching the Destiny models crouch walk <laughs> on the pipe was we were all yeah. killing ourselves laughing. Did at you that. do the fans? There's the one place where the fans blow you into the wall and kill you if they turn on and you have to <laughs> run up and hit a switch and turn them off like at the exact yeah time. there's fans every there's fans like all over fans. the leviathan raid it's a lot of fans I think, that, I think that like the cabal sweat a lot so they need a lot of ventilation or i something. guess and they need to take a lot uh-huh. of baths yep. like there's they a lot do. of baths. there's a lot of a lot of hygiene <laughs> yeah can understand yeah, situation. Yeah, I, yeah i don't know the the look of the leviathan raid is very cool mm. as well it's very, very striking gold. very, very gold it looks like a gucci mm-hmm. bag it's it's amazing i i don't know i just top to bottom really enjoyed it and i didn't think nice. that's awesome i didn't think it was going to be worth it but i can't recommend it enough and i feel very lucky that i like stumbled into a group of people who happened to start playing destiny 2 at the same time that i am yeah, and are, yeah like, that's the most important similar thing. level similar yep. headspace i almost feel like i'm bragging because i've achieved the impossible and i think that this is very rare and strange. So I'm just describing a cool thing I get to do that almost no one else does. So uh, yay for me. No, it's awesome. <laughs> and you're you you continually playing and talking about this. Oh yeah, that it's also part of an elaborate joke that I'm playing on the two of you because we the three of <laughs> yeah. us never achieved this when you two were playing Destiny Two last That's year. True. That's true. And I've just 
time delayed it for a really long time again as a joke on you two so i hope you guys are liking that well when beyond light comes out yeah I'm you guys might come back, back in. in i don't know how long mm-hmm. i'll stay but yeah. the three of us will certainly have opportunities to play together um so i'm excited for that and i'm excited for the new stuff i'm excited for the new classes and stuff but yeah destiny is it's sure is a video game it sure, sure is, is a fun it's, fine. it's fine it's <laughs> fine it's a perfectly fine Maddie, game. back fun fun piece of trivia is back in the day in Destiny One, the raids like occupied this different like part of the world almost. Like you would go in, none of the enemies would have experience or drop engrams or anything. There would be no talking whatsoever from the game, like not a word of talking at all huh. in the entire raid. It was like it was like this different like phase of reality it was like you entered a different dimension when you didn't right it was so strange and and cool and interesting and yeah when they bring back vault of glass which they're going to they do are. at some point i think that'll be a treat to jump into again at some yeah, point for sure as well get a fate bringer you can finally get a fate bringer jason oh man yeah i never did there was this legendary weapon that everybody had that was awesome called the fate bringer and i like happened to never get one which is the so greatest sad. tragedy um, <laughs> greatest gaming tragedy super tragic uh okay cool well that is it for this week's episode um once again big, big thanks to everybody out there who is supporting the show big thanks to everybody who listens to the show who shares the show with your friends etc 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 kirk maddie see you guys next week all right see you both next week bye Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edited and mixed the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network. And if you like our show, we hope you'll head over to MaximumFun.org join and consider becoming a member. Doing so helps support us and gets you access to an exclusive Triple Click episode each month. Find us online at TripleClickPodcast.com, on Twitter at TripleClickPod, and send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.